Okay, welcome to today's Canary Cast. It's February the 15th. Uh, slightly different today because there are three of us. My name is Cleo O'Flynn. My, my partner in crime, as always, is the fabulous Janet Anscombe. And where are you, Janet? Janet Anscombe, who is up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the mountains and we are today, Cleo and I, today are joined by our friend Deepika Harjani. Hello, Deepika. Hello, Janet. Hello, Cleo. Nice Hi, to Deepika. Be here. <laughs> Listen, I think we just give you the floor, Deepika, because people might think, oh, hang on, I remember her. She used to work for the British Consul because you don't anymore. So why don't you just kind of give us a quick resume of what you've been doing in the last couple of months and why we're so anxious for you to be with us today? Okay, thank you, Cleo. So yeah, some of you probably have seen me in some pop-up events at Iceland or other venues. I used to be the Brexit support officer for the consulate. And now I'm working with Aging Spain. Aging Spain is one of the three UK NSF organizations um, who are here to support and the organization that I work for, which is Aging Spain, covers the regions of the north of Spain, Catalonia, Balearics, and the Canary Islands. So that's why I have joined. Um, we, uh, there are other two other organizations. One is IOM, which covers Andalusia area and some other parts of Spain. And then we have Babelia, which covers the Costa Blanca. So Alicante, uh, Valencia, and basically Castellón area. Um, so our job is to give one-to-one -one information uh, to British nationals that still need help with completing the residency application. And we especially help those who are most vulnerable. Some people might not have access to technology or might find the bureaucratic system in Spain very difficult to understand and need help completing forms or booking appointments or just understanding the system. So that's where Aging Spain comes in the picture. Do you find that in, in some ways you're doing the same kind of work? I mean, from what you say, Deepika, are you doing the same kind of work with Brexit and stuff like that that you were doing before? Yeah, but um, we have COVID restrictions now. And so there are different things. Like I used to cover only the province of Tenerife and I now cover the whole of the Canary Islands. I recently have just come back from a trip in Fuerteventura where I had uh, two days uh, pop-up events. And due to COVID restrictions, we cannot hold very large meetings. So um, the way we are working forward is we, for example, find a venue and then we run pop-up events where we have booking appointments. So people can still come and can still discuss the situation with me. But instead of doing it in an open meeting with lots of people, we do it in a safe space where they have um, some private time to speak aloud. Uh, we also have um, something very interesting, which is we have a virtual call center where you we can give you the number now. People can call us and they can send, you know, they can speak with one of our volunteers about their inquiries, you know, about the issues, what are they facing in certain Canary Islands, or even to get information, they can either call us or they can send an email. So it's uh, 932-209-741. Uh, I repeat that again. So that's 932 
Um, and if you call us from a UK number, you need to dial first 0034. Now, we can always give you a call back if you don't want to, you know, use your phone. Uh, so you could also email us to residency. So that's residency at agingspain.org. And Agent Spain is all one word. Agent Spain is all one word. Okay. Uh, and straight after the ad. So it's residency, finishing in Y, at agingspain.org. Okay. What, from the pop-up events you've been doing so far, are there like three or four top questions, issues, matters of concern, and what are they, Deepika? Yes, so one of the big questions is, do I still have time to apply if I didn't do it last year? Now, in, in theory, there was a um, transition period that ended up on the 31st of December. So people should have submitted the application before that. But if they can prove that they were legally living here, like if they have utility bills, uh, padron documents, or even a contract, some people started a job very late in the year. Um, something that can prove that they were here, even like boarding cards that they actually fl flew into Spain, that could also help them to make an application now. So as long as they can prove that they were legally here, then they might get the same treatment as if they would have done it at the end of last year. Now, the important thing is for people to, this is going to be a one, um, like it's going to be the need to make the application and wait for the resolution. Mm -hmm. So what we suggest to people is that to submit as many evidence as possible, proving that they were actually legally here by so, the end of last year. Just to interrupt, are you saying that there's a good chance that they could still be given the card on the conditions that people were given it last year? So less money in the bank and all that kind of thing. That's what Exactly, the but is. they need to prove that the, the main premise is that they need to prove that they were legally living here. So a lot of, for example, are having that, like a difficult thing because that actually doesn't give you access to utility bills such as like water bills or light bills and things or like that. Or a contract. Or a contract. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the difficulties um, and also working like right now due to COVID, a lot of people have the chance to do remote working and they want they, in having that chance, they're saying, why will I be living in the UK when I can live in a nice place like Tenerife? Um, but the situation is that they need to prove that they were legally living here and the contract, it's a UK contract. So that's not, you know, really proving anything so i think the difficulty part will be for people to actually prove especially property owners you know they they might have a chance because they might have bought the property many many years ago even though they didn't register and they might have utility bills under their name uh, but as i said this is a, a one case by case basis um they need to prove healthcare as well yeah and deepika is this facility whereby people can register under last year's terms, providing they can prove they were in the country then. Is there a time limit for that? Is there, is there a, a point at which the police say, no, it doesn't matter how much proof you've got, you can't do it anymore? 
Uh, at the moment, they haven't discussed a deadline. We don't know okay. if a deadline will come in, in place, but at the moment, like the withdrawal agreement did uh, mention the deadline of the 31st of December for the transition period, but the, the requirement is they need to prove that they were legally living here. So like, I mean, I guess that the more time that passes, it will be, you know, more difficult, but like right now, it's very easy to prove that there were not appointments available or, but for any reason, you know, some people, for example, got registered in the Padron very late in November, December. So that's why they couldn't uh, proceed application. OS1 holders, and we are aware that the S1s were taking time coming all the way from the UK. Um, and the good point about the S1, I think, is that it, re it recalls the time when you are entitled for it. So, so that's kind of, you know, it, it's backdated in a way. I just want to kind of underline because every time you you say the word resident, you put the word legally behind it. So what you're saying is, and it's important for people to realize, is that if they can prove that they were legally resident, as in registered as resident in Spain before the end of December. Uh but the register as resident, so it's not only padron. I mean, we we have had cases from other parts of Spain where people have just shown a padron and bank statements from back in the days, and they have actually got straightforward to permanente because they had proof that they were actually here for more than five years. So I think it's a combination, not necessarily Padron is the one that's going to take you forward and not necessarily a utility bill. It's a combination. The more evidence you have, um, the better. So there, as I said, there are people, for example, that had a, a contract um, at the end of last year. And this, there has to be a distinction between the people that had some sort of connection at the end of last year and the people who are, for example, deciding to arrive now. Okay. I think you're absolutely right though, that this is in a way it's self-limiting, isn't it? Because as time goes on, it'll be harder and harder to prove that you were in Spain at the end of 2020 and you still haven't done it say by November this year. It's gonna be very hard to justify that. Mm -hmm. So maybe they don't need to impose a deadline because it is self-limiting really isn't it yeah maybe this is yeah when we spoke with the authorities we had a meeting with the consulate and we did raise this question and the answer was it's there's no time limit at the moment uh but okay. as i said we need we all need to be aware and maintain you know receive updates because things and it's also at the end of the day reciprocal so i guess it's the same type of treatment that the spanish authorities are expecting Okay. For Speaking on nationals that, currently in the UK. I just wanted to ask: now that you're working for Age in Spain, um, in general, what way do you feel the Spanish authorities are treating organisations like yours? I mean, is there a good level of cooperation and of a willingness to help British residents who still find themselves in some administrative? loophole difficulty I mean in general because sometimes we hear myself and Janet that people feel Spain has ignoring them or that the authorities don't care that I'm here and I own a house but I'm wondering in your experiences dealing with them kind of officially how how is that going what's the relationship like 
Um, so every time we deal with the Spanish authorities, we do in collaboration in this in this matter with the British Consulate of, of Tenerife or Green Canaria. And what I've noticed, like as a subjective, is that they have a willingness to help, but they also remind us, you know, there was this deadline and 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 you know Brexit has occurred. So I think for sure the tone, you know, has maybe changed a bit, but they are still willing to help UK nationals. But um, the difficulty, I guess, is where people want to have the cake and eat it. There are some people who want to have the best of the two worlds and the Spanish authorities don't have a magic wand for those type of situations. They, they're just very clear, this is our message. And, you know, this if people want to live here, this is the process. Um, so in that sense, I feel the Spanish authorities are doing the job, like they, they organize meetings with us in different parts of, of Spain. Uh, we don't have the same you know, like back in the days in October, we did this harder to reach, you know, and we were almost every day at the strong area offices. That's not the case now, but there's still a case that the fact that they're still accepting people to apply by proving that they were legally here by the end of last year, that's already telling us something. So I think there, there is um, a will, um, an idea to help. I, I, I agree with you. This is what is coming across very loud and clear to me. This, this, shift not so much in attitude but a shift in tone is what I'm picking up as well they're, they're more than happy to help but this idea that what you said about cake having cake and eat it I, I've referred to it on my own website before and called it cakeism because people do <laughs> they have got used they have got used to the fact that they can come over for so long and then go back to the UK and as far as the UK is concerned they're living there Mm -hmm. As far as Spain is concerned, they're living here. <clears throat> this was very feasible to do when passports weren't being stamped. People could go through the EU channel in an airport and they could come and go as they pleased. That has now become, I think, far harder. And I think there is a change in tone to the extent, and it's coming across even in people who comment on my website, make up your mind where you live. It's, it's time to decide now. Mm. The, the days of being able to come and go as though you lived in both places equally, the, yeah. those days are gone as a result of Brexit because it is physically impossible now to enter Spain through an EU channel in the airport. You have to come through the third country gate. So, yeah, the change in tone is what I'm very much picking up, that, that it's make up your mind where you live now. It's time to do that. One of the questions I've received, and you probably have too, Janet, and I, I don't know if you can answer this, Deepika, is from um, Swallows pensioners who want to abide by the 90 day within, sorry, within the 180 day rule. But because of COVID or because of ill health, they think they've said to me, listen, I don't think I'm going to be able to get home before my 90 days is up. What should I do? Now, I remember I asked Charmaine, this, the consul a while ago, and her advice was tell the authorities. Does that, I mean, have you had that kind of question? Are you dealing with that issue that people are worried about breaching this particular regulation? Yes, there is a lot of people all over Spain who are worried, and actually the date is coming nearer because the 90 days will actually be counted from the 1st of January. So that means on the 31st of March is when those 90 days are coming to an end. Now, the difficulty part is that the Spanish authorities don't have 
the power, you know, like this is a Schengen rule, this is European rule. So if someone is kind of overstaying the 1980 days rule, they will have to face whatever consequence comes in place. But those are um, things that come from beyond Spain. Um, some of the consequences can be fines or um, I don't think deportations, but it could be bans, you know, like where they can say you cannot come back until this amount of time. And mm -hmm. that could be something difficult for property owners. Now, it's also true that with this willingness that we were sp speaking earlier, that the Spanish authorities, if there are no flights available, will be able, you know, there is nothing that someone can do. Exactly. But I think but there are still flights available. So I think the, the position will be difficult because uh, Ryanair keeps flying and some other airlines through other parts of Spain keep flying. So um, I will say like to some people, if they can arrive, like if they can fly, make arrangements, you know, but it's a, it's a decision of everyone. But what we don't know is what consequences will be faced. Um, what we are totally aware is that stamps are getting, you know, the passports are getting stamped on the way out. We already have cases of people who have left from other parts of Spain and have already mentioned that the passports have been stamped when they were leaving. Okay. Uh, so that's for sure uh, technically going to happen. Yeah, it, it's very important what you said there, because I've had this obviously on my own website and been trying to explain to people who felt sure that Spain would come to some sort of arrangement they felt with swallows over the 90 days because they were needed here. Well, the problem is, as I've tried to explain, and I'm so glad you said what you said, it, it does clarify that the 90 day rule is not a Spanish rule. It's not even an EU rule. It is a Schengen area rule. And any EU country that is a member of the Schengen area is not going to undermine the whole of the Schengen zone just for a bilateral deal with, um, with the UK now. Um, as of last week, in fact, I, I've got slightly updated information on, on this. As of last week, the Foreign Office confirmed to me that, uh, and the Spanish government independently, that the only way the 90 days can be exceeded is in the case of a severe emergency. So the number of people who say, can we not just stay? I've got a flight possibility of a flight on the 2nd or 3rd of April. It's only three days. Will they turn a blind eye? The answer is actually, I'm afraid, no, they will not. Because your, 30 day, your 90 days is up on the 31st of March. And as you have confirmed, the rules are that if you exceed your limit, you are essentially in violation of immigration policies and you can be debarred from entering the country. If you're a property owner, that's the last thing you want to, to happen, to be stopped coming into Spain in the future. So I'm really glad you said that because but it does confirm everything else that we're hearing. What would constitute a, a, an emergency? Do Have they indicated that, Janet, oh, a death? Or when, when we illness. had this illness so for when we had the meeting with the spanish authorities um they did mention you know the, the answer was like if there are no flights available there might be you know some sort and they did mention you know if someone is here due to like uh, looking after a relative or like because of illness because they're in the hospital they can request an extension of that overstay but the what is not really clear is 
where to request that extension at um, because that falls into the Spanish authorities and it's not very clear who, if it's this Estrangeria or if it's the police department part of Estrangeria. Um, so that's still not yet, you know, like the, the situation, I guess, with many swallows is that because the consequences of this has, you know, people, it's still not 31st of March, so they still haven't got those stories of what can happen is what makes the decision a bit uh, more difficult. But in fact, um, the UK keeps also making announcements, you know, of what happens when people return to the UK and travel advice have, you know, have been updating the pages. So what I recommend to people, you know, instead, you know, instead of making their own idea, okay, now I can overstay or I cannot, is to keep having an eye, you know, on both organizations like the, the Spanish government uh, and more especially like the UK one, because at some point that's where they're going to return as well. So are we expecting a rash of cases and emails, Janet, to your website after the 31st of March? I mean, do you feel in your organization, Deepika, that in April you're going to see a lot of people um, having problems because they have overstayed their welcome and maybe they didn't think it was that big a deal? Um, I can expect that what we will see for sure is answers to these type of questions by, by then, because we will have more clear examples of people facing this situation. Uh, That's a very good point. That, that is a very good point. We at least will know then mm -hmm. what is happening. But the information I'm getting now from UK and Spain governments, Spanish governments, are that people who are in a situation where they can't leave by the 31st of March, must not, under any circumstances, leave it until beyond that to try to sort it out. If they think they can't get out by then, and they must get out by then, they have to sort it out in advance. As you say, the problem at the moment is we don't know how to do that. So the only safe advice I think to give to people is you must get out. There are flights available. Make it work. Just, if necessary, drive. But get out to protect your future access to Spain. Okay. I think, Deepika, you have really given us so much food for thought there. It is uh, quite a meaty, a meaty amount of information. Um, and to finish, if I may, because we like to keep these tight, even though we always go over time, I think I have to bring, bring people up to, to date on Dentalgate, or Dentistgate, if people have heard about this. I don't know if you have, Deepika. But I was phoned by some of the Irish national media last week because there has been a noticeable increase in the number of Irish people turning up at Dublin airport with confirmed dental appointments with dentists in the south of Tenerife. And under current Irish legislation, it is considered essential travel. Now, on the other end, you have dentists here. There's one in particular in, in Amaria Golf who spoke to Irish Radio saying that they were getting five or six extra Irish people a day phoning from Ireland. And they didn't just want appointments, they wanted appointments and a confirmation email in English that they're then printing off and bringing to the airport. Uh, and it has become obvious, as you can imagine, like the amount of jokes going around on social media, it's like, you know, big wave from my dentist to Tenerife, people sitting on the beach or people, but it's legal. The, the, at the moment, the authorities can do nothing about it because doctor or dental appointments are considered essential travels. So it is 
a major loophole because I don't know about the UK at the moment you cannot you're not supposed to leave Ireland unless it's an essential journey and this is a loophole they have found and it is still apparently a loophole that's open yeah, it's interesting. What was, can one say? Uh, one can say what can, one can say is, I think I have a pain in my molar, and I need to see my dentist. You know. <laughs> yeah, and my dentist is all the way in Tenerife. <laughs> but the real problem is that one of there's one dentist at least in the South of Tenerife who said they're not taking any more appointments from Irish people. So their poor regular clients who happen to be Irish but live live here are probably going to have to wait for an appointment now, even if they have got a missing filling or, or a toothache. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is obviously people trying to get around a situation. We're never, we're never ever going to be in a position where we don't have people trying to get around the rules. Um, this is just another example of it. Thankfully, they are in the minority and the majority of people I think do yeah. It's rather like Carnival at the moment, isn't it? I mean, we, we've all seen the, the parties in Santa Cruz and the bars in the Costa Deja and Arona police today saying they've issued nearly 40 fines over this last weekend alone. But it's still the minority. The majority yeah. of people are cautious for their own health and aware that their behaviour affects other people's health as well. And I suppose we can at least be glad for small mercies that the majority of people are doing the right thing. And we're at level one here in Tenerife, which is fabulous. I know. So, yeah. And long, I mean, we just don't want to go back up again. Okay, guys, and we've run I, out of time. Can I just say yeah. one, one last thing that I think is important, yeah, because I just got a confirmation email of this. For those people who are still looking to do the residency and cannot find appointments, you know, in, in Tenerife in particular, a part of the option of doing it online, which you need a digital certificate, they can also present it in the registro offices. And in fact, if you are living in Adeje, Adeje has a facility that will allow you to do that. But if for any reason you live in another borough, you can also use offices such as like the Cabildo or other offices who are officially registered to communicate electronically with okay, the Strangeria. So this could be a solution for those who are struggling to get an appointment. And those who are currently in the UK who might be stuck and, you know, they might have all the evidence with them, uh, but they cannot come in because they're not, you know, they're not yet legal residents. They could either hire someone to submit their paperwork for them or they can, you know, uh, do it when they come back, when they're uh, able to come back. So I will say tell them to gather as many evidence as they can, you know, because even though they were not physically maybe they were here they were in the uk for christmas they might have utility bills and things that can prove that they okay. were legally here and there is the cabildo have an office in los cristianos which is interesting dental appointments yes, yes. of dental course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> i told you it's just you know it's gone viral it's uh, <laughs> it's like a plague or a plaque i can't remember <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, Deepika, thank you so much for joining us. I have a feeling we'll need you back soon. Um, and I'm just going to repeat the numbers that you gave us at the start. And they will also be, I'll also put them up on the website. So to call, people can call 932 209 mm -hmm. uh, Or they can email residency at agentsfame.org. That's if correct. They need assistance. 
And we have a website with many resources, so they can also go into agentspain.org. Okay, agentspain.org. Lovely. That's great. And as I say, I'm sure Thank you'll be you. back with us soon. Thank you, Deepika. Janet, yes. see you soon. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Deepika. Whether we need you or not, we love having you with us. And Absolutely. you will be back, I'm sure. <laughs> it's lovely you. to see you. Thank All right, you. well, bye from us three. And I hope everybody's staying safe, staying well. And if you do feel like joining in Carnival Fun, just, you know, dress up and stay at home. It's what most of us are probably doing anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole thing of Carnival, surely, is that you wear a mask. Ta-da! <laughs> Janet, as usual, <laughs> you have the last word. <laughs>